Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, live from Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram in Sandy, 10905 South Automall Drive. Shout out to Adam that just came by and grabbed uh, our last jazz figurine, Gordon. The office figurine, that's what I've settled on, I think I'm going to call it. Or office ornament, maybe I haven't settled on it, I don't know. Yeah, and that doesn't really do it justice, does it? No, because it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, so Adam came in and grabbed that, said it would go well uh, with his Donovan, his new Donovan Mitchell spider shoes. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, big thanks to everybody who's dropped by so, for, uh, so far, 10905 South Automall Drive. Still have plenty of jazz gear for you. Shorts. And hats for you. All right, let's preview the Boise State Broncos. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. He makes the magic happen at The Athletic, covering the Boise State Broncos. He is Dave Southhorn with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hi, Dave. How are you? Doing great, guys. Uh, you know, sitting here, it's uh, a week from media days to the Mountain West, and uh, football actually seems like it's going to really happen. So this is, this, this is a pretty exciting time. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. The countdown is, is on. I can't believe it's media days, then camps, and, uh, you know, we're doing countdowns on the station to, to BYU-Utah. I mean, football, man, it, you can almost smell it. I can imagine, Dave, that in Boise it is especially that way. Yeah, it, it really is. And actually, the, the funny thing about it right, is actually literally right now I am parked at the stadium, and Garth Brooks is playing here tomorrow night, so that's that's a huge deal, but I think – that's going to help the people that are in that stadium realize that, ah, yes, football is very near. And I think with, you know, with Boise State, I think there's a ton of, you know, intrigue going into this season. There's a huge opener, which always helps matters. And I think that, uh, you know, I think the people are starting to get, you know, get pretty amped for it. It's, it's, it's starting to feel real for them too. All right. Tell us a little bit about this year's roster. What are they losing? What's coming back? What, what are going to be this team's strengths? Yeah, I, th- I think that the, you know, the strengths for this team will honestly be on the lines. They're returning uh, all five of the offensive linemen that started the last half of last season. Uh, their defensive line is very, very veteran from the defensive ends to the nose tackles to the outside linebacker stud position types. Uh, I think that's where it's going to start for them. Uh, I think they're going to be very set there, which is going to be a very good thing for them considering that they've lost a ton of linebackers on defense and on offense – They've lost their their best players, frankly. They lost Brett Rippon, four-year starter quarterback. They lose Alexander Madison, a 1,000-yard running back to the NFL. And their top two wide receivers are gone, too. So with all those question marks there, I think the fact that they have a reliable offensive line is going to help. I think there are, there's talent, especially at wide receiver, to help them. But the big questions, I think, for them is going to be quarterback and running back. Has Boise uh, State reached a point where it does reload? I mean, how's the depth of the program? You would think after all these years that uh, it would be pretty good in that regard. Yeah, the, the, the reload and rebuild question, you know, I, I've always, in the back of my mind, wondered if there is going to be a true rebuilding year. And there hasn't been. I mean, you know, frankly, there hasn't been. The year after they lost Kellen Moore, they still they still won out uh, and, and won double-digit games. So, uh, So I think that... There is there is there is talent. There is some depth, but um, but again, uh, at those two big spots, there are a lot of potential guys, but no one that's really had a bunch of experience. At quarterback, they had five guys in for the spring that are on scholarship that are still here. 
who have thrown a combined 10 passes in, in their FBS careers. The running backs, none, none of them have started a game. They, they've played a bit here and there, but there's no obvious heir apparent. So I think that in terms of those spots, there are guys there, but they're just unproven. But you talk about the depth, I think wide receiver, despite losing their two best from last season, I legitimately really believe that it's going to be one of the best units in the country just because of the, the depth they have and the, you know, and the varied amounts of you know, types of receivers they have. They're, they're, I think they're going to be really, really good this year at that, at that position. Dave Southhorn with us of The Athletic covering Boise State football on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Dave, we have seen some just thrillers between BYU and Boise State over the past few year, uh, years, including last year's game, which was absolutely terrific. How do the folks up there feel about this yearly series with BYU? Um, you guys didn't prep me for this question, but it's perfect because what, I'm, what I wrote today, it'll be tomorrow in The Athletic, I I rank the games that Boise State's playing next season that have the most potential to be to this be crazy, to be the ones that are, you know, either high scoring and really close or something wacky happens in them. And my number one is BYU, and I think mm. that th- that that series has been one of the best things, frankly, for Boise State to have. It's a regional team, it's a bit of a rivalry. The fans here get up for it, and every year there is something interesting about it. It's usually really close. I mean, last year, obviously, you know, Zach Wilson, who was committed to Boise State, goes and takes them down to the five-yard line. Granted, BYU lost. BYU had a shot to win that game, obviously. And so I think that with that now going to Provo, BYU maybe being a little better in certain aspects, um, I think this is, you know, that, that's going to be one of, if not the toughest game. And, and they're opening against Florida State. And I think the fans here have really, you know, bought into it. And there hasn't been an obvious Mountain West rival that's really stepped up. The only ones are in the West Division, and they don't play them every year. They play BYU every year. So I think that, that's been a really interesting game that people love up here. Speaking of Mountain West rivals, how do, how's this program up there feel about Utah State? Uh, th- there's a lot of, of respect for Utah State. I think what really helped that was you know Utah State having some good teams when Gary Anderson, when Gary was here the first time, um, you know, they play in bowl games up here, so people saw them and saw the talent they produced, you know, your Robert Turbins, your Vigils, your Bobby Wagners. But also, in 2015, Boise State went down there with a hotshot quarterback in Brett Rippon, who was a freshman, and they got run out of that building. They had eight turnovers. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen them play. And that got respect up here because that's the closest one you can drive to. That's a team that, that year in, year out, more and more has gotten a little better. Last year's game up here was good. And, now Mike Sanford is the OC over there, and he's a former Boise State quarterback, and he was the OC here when they won the most recent Fiesta Bowl. So there's more intrigue in that game, and I think there's there's been some good respect on it, and I think people have wanted a team like that to step up to be a, a bit more of a natural rival in this conference. I know you uh, touched on this a little bit, but uh, Brett Rippon, of course, wraps up a, a career up there in Boise. Lay out the quarterback competition for us a little bit more in depth. How heated is this going to be? Is there, a, is there somebody you expect to, to step forward and grab it? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, was, that was my first story for the Athletics. <laughs> um, was there, yeah, with, with, with five guys in here, and it was a natural starting point, I guess, but with, with five guys in for the spring, that's a lot of guys. The one that I think you would imagine would be the guy who will be the starter, the one that I think will be, didn't fully practice because he tore his ACL in October, and that was Chase Cord, who, who was a sophomore last year. He was Brett's backup going into the season. The third snap he ever took in his college career, he went for a 47-yard touchdown against, the, against Troy on the road. So he has a bit of a dual-threat capability to him, and if he's healthy, of course that's an if, 
he's the guy who has the most experience. He's got legs that they haven't really had since Grant Hedrick, even before that, maybe Jared Zabransky. Uh, and and he makes the most sense. But they but they brought in a true freshman who enrolled in the spring named Hank Bachmeyer, who by some of the recruiting you know uh, websites had as one of the top ten pro style passers in the country. He's one of the highest rated you know guys they've ever signed. And in, in, in the spring game, he's essentially the number two quarterback. So I think that it may boil down to those two and. Cord, Cord might get a sixth year, so either one of these guys could, in theory, end up being a four-year starter. So let me ask you a tough question. It depends on your opinion solely, your point of view. Who's the best football coach Boise State has ever had? You know, I, I, if, if I want to take the really, the really hip answer, I'd say Lyle Smith because that guy was incredible as a junior college coach, never had a losing season or anything like that, and he established everything, but – but it, it, has, it has to be Chris Peterson. I mean, his, you know, he is still exalted here. He really took them to that next level and maintained a success that I think people expect here, but they haven't quite reached. And um, we saw we see here as a Washington too that he's just proven that he has the it factor. That he is there's a reason he was great here, and there's a reason he's great at Washington is that he was really special and was able to bring in some some you know some top notch talent, but also find those, uh, you know, under, under-recruited guys, the Shane McClellans, your Doug Martins, your Kellen Moores, that ended up being guys who, uh, you know, led them to a 50-3 and three record in four years. Dave Southorn with us uh, from The Athletic, covering Boise State on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Kind of with that in mind, uh, it's always really hard to replace the guy as a coach, right? And, and Boise and Chris mm-hmm. Peterson, you know, Boise's done it more, more than probably anybody else out there where they've kept it rolling during this stretch. But kind of with that in mind, how is Brian Harson viewed uh, with the success that he's had? Not quite as good as Chris, but still pretty darn good. Yeah, I think I think most of the fan base is pretty is pretty content with with what Harson has done. Um, his first season, they went to the Fiesta Bowl, so I think that was a good thing and a bad thing for him because if he hasn't been able to maintain that, that's been a little more difficult. Some, you know, they've they've had a few more of those home losses that used to never happen here. You know, he lost twice in one season his second year here. Lost last year to San Diego State. Almost lost to BYU, and I think that. And, you know that gets some fans a little, little agitated, and I think that um, you know, he, he's he's a little bit of a different guy. He kind of wants to be the spokesman for his program. He kind of wants to be the hype man. And Peterson was always kind of uh, the quieter guy. And uh, you know, Harson likes to have control of his program, and that that rubs some people the wrong way. But uh, but he's from Boise. Um, I live two blocks from his dad, where he grew up, and so you know he's from around here. He played here. He was an assistant here. So if there's anybody that I think really cares about Boise State, he's probably number one. And I think that that resonates with a lot of people more so than even even the record, if it's not as great as, the, as a lot of people want it to be. In your estimation, who's the best quarterback that Boise State will face this fall? Whew, the best, you know, probably in my opinion, it, it probably is going to be, I'd say Jordan Love, you know, when they're playing Utah State, just because he had a great game up here last year. He had three touchdowns, threw for – 363 yards, only had one pick. Um, you know, I think you know getting down in Logan is going to be a challenge. I, I think he's he's been awesome. And then after that, it, it might be back. I know uh, you know Florida State is going to have uh, Blackman be there. You know, likely going to be their starter, but they, they still have a bit of a, a debate about who they're going to start. And uh, I'd have to say it's two, it's the two quarterbacks they're playing from the state of Utah, to be honest. 
Dave, thank you so much for a little insight. We really appreciate it. Uh, I want to give you a second to to really give a plug for The Athletic because they've expanded into college football down here in this market. I think it's really exciting what The Athletic is doing. And you mentioned you've written a couple pieces for them now, but uh, pretty awesome that they're going into local college football coverage. Yeah, I was uh, I was surprised and excited when they reached they reached out to me about maybe wanting to do Boise State, and um, the reaction has been great from the fans and from the athletic itself. Uh, it's the, the second group of five school that they're covering. Uh, Cincinnati was the first, um, and, and and with Boise State, you know, there's fans. A lot of fans were kind of hoping for that sort of coverage because they're in a bunch of the, in the group of five, and then and then they brought in Chris Kamrani, uh, you know, a guy that I actually was able to bond with pretty well. When we uh, had our summit uh, last week in Chicago, and he, uh, you know, he, he's usually on the Utah beat, so it's pretty cool that uh, they're moving into these local markets and uh, you know trying to pro- provide a lot of good, good quality that that maybe uh, you can't necessarily deliver every day in a newspaper. Yeah, Gordon, Chris is okay, I guess. Yeah, he's, <laughs> you know, he's, he's all right. Yeah, I so. <laughs> Well, Dave, congratulations on the gig, and thank you as always for jumping on and uh, chatting with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, guys. That's Dave Southorn from The Athletic covering Boise State football, and we've had Dave on uh, before. He, he really does a terrific job. And, <coughs> excuse me, we had Chris on on, what, Monday? Of course, we're teasing about Chris uh, Cameron. He's going to do a great job covering the Utes. Oh, and, terrific, terrific. And, and I do like what The Athletic is, is doing, and um, it's cool that they're expanding to college football. You know, the more stories you can get out there, the better. Sure. Uh, couldn't agree with that more. Uh, I asked him that question about the quarterback on purpose because I wanted to see uh, how, he would, how he would evaluate uh, both Zach Wilson and Jordan Love. And he seemed to uh, to be pretty honest about it. Yeah, Jordan Love, number one. Well, Jordan uh, Love, I mean, his his year last year was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, there's just no arguing with that. Uh, he was he was I terrific. When we talked to the coaches up there, you know, they were telling us about all the advances that uh, Jordan Love has made. And I went up there and did that big feature column on him, and uh, found out all sorts of interesting things and walked away impressed. Man, you've had some really good columns over the last year, Gordon. That. That one, uh, certainly your recent Jerry Sloan one was terrific, but uh, I loved that Jordan Love column. Yeah, that was awesome. I learned a lot about him from that yeah. column. And he was uh, he was one of those guys who really came on strong late. Oh, out of Bakersfield and uh, wasn't really highly recruited and whatnot and shows up at Utah State and someone recognized some, some talents and some skills that could be uh, refined and he came on strong from there. I talked to a to a coach up there about Jordan Love shortly after that column came out, and he told me a little bit about the the backstory of him making it to Logan. And, and big ups to Matt Wells and that coaching staff up there because they saw it. And you're right, a lot of a lot of other programs out there mm-hmm. didn't see it, and they saw it. Yep. And and he's kind of a he's a motivated, driven guy. He certainly has a chip on his shoulder, and I would that that's what leads me to believe that he's going to be even better this year. And I know people up there are saying, well, I'm not sure if he has the weapons, but. I think he's good enough to make those players around him really, really good. Well, I think that offensive line has to protect him, and if they do, then he's he's going to be just fine. Uh, and I, I think the progression of quarterbacks is really interesting to track. You know, I remember when John Beck first showed up at BYU. He he, he tried to he tried to fire the ball through every wall he could find. You know, and he had to learn how to utilize yeah. what he could offer, and it took him took him a while to get there same thing with Jordan Love same thing with most quarterbacks you know there might be 
a few John Elways out there who just sort of, you know, have everything that's necessary. Although, remember when John first went landed in the NFL, how rough that was at first? So he had to learn, too. So I, and when I mentioned the other day that uh, that interview I had with Mike Leach, and remember that list of things Mike went through as far as what quarterbacks, what makes them successful? And so much of it was cerebral. Well, especially him because he runs that timing offense where you've got you've to be able to read exactly what's going on. Well, arm strength was like eighth on the list. Well, I think, I think accuracy is more important than arm strength yeah, at, at pretty much every too. level. Of course, maybe when you get to the NFL – it's a little harder. I mean, you got to be able to get the ball where it needs to go. But still, there's a whole lot more than that. Think oh. about that. People just take this stuff for, for granted. But when a quarterback drops back into the pocket, remember that thing when um, Aaron Rodgers talked about everything that he has to go, that goes through his mind when he walks up to the line of scrimmage? I mean, it's mind-blowing. It really is. It's it's so much more than just the physical aspects to it. And uh, when, when when any athlete is put in that circumstance, I find it absolutely fascinating. I think playing quarterback may be the most challenging position in all the team sports. Well, I'd agree with you because you have to stand back there and do all this while 285-pound grown men trying are knock trying your head to off. take your head clean off the body. Yeah. So you have to you have to do all this processing while other people are are trying to hurt you. So yeah, I might I might agree with you. Maybe bo- I know, I know, boxing is somewhat similar. Yeah, I, I mean I know a I know a few quarterbacks, and I've been talking to them about everything that goes into it, and it is a lot. It is a lot. You've been talking to Frank Dolce without me lately. Mm-hmm. Dolce. Don't know why I always want to say Dolce. Anytime I talk to Frank, I'll, uh, I'll let you know that I am. Well, he, he blows up uh, Scotty at the beginning of his show each and every day. Have you been hearing that saga? No. I guess Frank's got some sort of reminder to call Scotty set for noon. So every day when they start the show, it's like, oh, welcome on in, Hanson Scotty. And no, oh, Frank's calling again. <laughs> so they fun. just answered it on the air the other day. Yeah. But no, it's not Frank who you've been talking to. No. Then, no? Hmm. Let me think. Is Bart Starr still around? No, he passed away recently. Was it recently? Yes. Oh, I was trying Broke to. Broke my heart, I man. wasn't trying to be offensive. I was just trying to think of an old quarterback. Captain Intonil says hello. Are, are, you, are you kidding me? Bart you Starr, he was the quarterback of my team, as of my youth. I didn't mean to. I was just trying to make a reference. I wasn't in the trying ice to, bowl, going up against the Dallas Cowboys. You know, the quarterback sneaking into the end zone when it's like minus twenty-eight degrees outside. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring up a touchy subject. Oh, I wasn't trying was, to Mark do that. Star was the man, I, and it hurt me every time everybody said Johnny Unitas was better, which he probably was. But I still, Bart Starr was the quarterback of Vince Lombardi's Packers. Uh, we are live. Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram here in Sandy. It's a summer clearance event and the summer of Jeep event, Gordon. I know you've been, uh, you and your family have been partial to Jeeps over the years. 2019 Jeep Wrangler four-door hardtop unlimited 4x4 lease for $349 a month for 48 months. That's zero down. You can get a Jeep Cherokee Latitude Plus 4x4 lease for $288 a month for 48 months. Zero dollars down. All you have to do is come in here, check it out. It's Utah's number one volume Jeep dealer, Utah's largest selection of uh, new vehicles, Gordon. They have 12 
acres of inventory. Yes, I do. But I'm pouring my heart out to you about my feeling for Bart Starr, and you go right into the read. I just thought I'd plow through this kind of awkward moment because I've obviously upset you. I didn't mean to. I thought I'd let you get a second to get it together. Well, I mean, it's different when you're a kid. You're choking back tears over there. I feel bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it brought back lots of memories now. That was, that was the, of course, there was nothing unique about this. In the 60s, everybody's favorite team was the Packers. Every kid my age, seems like. Anyway, all right. I'm, I'm better now. You okay? I've, yeah, I've gathered I'm sorry. Myself. I didn't mean to do that. I've gathered myself. That was unintentional. Next thing you know, you're going to start talking about Boyd Dowler. And uh, who else? Uh, Wouldn't talk about that. Never heard of that guy. Oh, what about uh, Porkchop Womack? Man, you see, here's the thing. Nobody knows who Porkchop pork, pork Womack was. But everybody of my generation knows the Packers. You know. Okay. Well, they're still around. I think everybody listening knows the Packers. Well, yeah, but that that version of okay. the Packers. All right. Well, I'm sorry I, I stirred something up there. I apologize. All right. Sorry. Right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm back with you now. BT joins us next. We'll talk about the Open Championship. Tony Finau. Straight ahead. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Time to talk a little basketball with Oliver Maroney. I think for Utah, the sky is the limit for this team this year. I do think that they are a championship favorite, in my opinion. You add a guy like Mike Conley to the mix, I think that they are going to be much improved in the backcourt. And then you throw Gobert into the mix. I really think that Gobert has a higher ceiling than last season or potentially otherwise because of this move. I think Conley is going to make this team overall operate better, and I think you're going to see that specifically with Donovan Mitchell and with Rudy Gobert. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. May I have your attention please? You're locked on to the big show on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This You Into Golf 2019 Open Update is brought to you by Zions Bank, Hoops Vision, Siegfried and Jensen, and Barbecue Pit Stop on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. It's the big show, 97.5 1280 The Zone, live from Larry H. Miller Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Come grab some jazz gear. Don't forget to check out their summer clearance event as well. Come by and say hello. Thanks to all our listeners who have come by already. Uh, let's uh, let's talk a little golf, shall we, Gordon? We shall. Joining the show now, of course, from Real Golf Radio, each and every Saturday morning. They do a terrific job, particularly during the majors. The cover uh, coverage is absolutely terrific. He's our good friend, Brian Taylor. BT, what's cracking? Hey, boys. How are you? Hey, first of all, great interview with Mike Conley. I listened to that, and uh, you guys did a fantastic job. And uh, I need to figure out how we can set up a game of golf, it sounds like, with, uh, with Conley. That, was, that sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, 6-7 handicap. Holy cow. He, he might be able to even sort of hang with you. <laughs> He'd probably beat me. I mean, it's a guy, guy, that, guy that's at the top of his profession uh, probably has a little bit of a mental edge on what I would do. I'd probably fold like a cheap tent. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, we saw a little bit of that today with Rory. 
<laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, let's let's start there. How about that, BT? The favorite for the tournament. It went wrong for Rory McIlroy right out of the gate. Yeah, the first swing. I'll tell you what, guys. I mean, Johnny Miller's retired, so I'm going to say it. Uh, Rory flat out choked. Um, look, he, we've seen this at Augusta the last few years when he's had an opportunity to win the Grand Slam, complete the career Grand Slam by winning the Masters. You know, he, he's literally, uh, you know, even in the final group, in the final round with Patrick Reed, he literally choked. And uh, I, I don't know what to say. It was It's surprising. It was surprising then a couple of years ago, and it's surprising to see what he did today. He literally has just got a, um, you know, Brando Chambly, he even came out and said, look, there's nothing wrong technically with his swing. There's nothing wrong physically with his body. This is straight up, um, you know, choke status. And so, um, you know, the way he's opening up the, you know, 79, 80, you know, 78, you know, in the first rounds of majors, it essentially, and Rory even admitted it, he said, when I hit, you know, got that first hole out of the way, it kind of took the pressure off me. Well, yeah, because you basically shot yourself out of the tournament, and then he grinds himself all the way back in and then doubles the last hole. So uh, he had a four-putt mixed in there in the middle. It was just really, really surprising the, the way Rory is, you know, has, has played today and, and of recent in majors, and it's been five years since he won a major championship. Really, really shocking. Well, was it shocking, or it seems like, BT, you probably could have predicted this, but Tiger Woods really struggling, and I thought his quote after his round today was pretty telling. He, I'll read it. He said, I'm not moving as well as I'd like. Certain shots I just can't hit. Father time and procedures I've had, it's just the way it's going to be here from here on out. It's why I'm not playing as often on the PGA Tour. I, that He shot a 78 today. Yeah, it's really telling, too, Gordon, in, in, in the way he said that, because he's never been one to offer the excuses. In fact, he, he, he kind of shies away from any of that. And if people want to try to bring it up like, hey, is your back? You know, and he'll just be like, I'm good. And he'll just kind of smile out of it. I'm fine. And he's, he's offering those now. He's, he's basically conceding that he's not going to be able to, and he's been quite, you know, to be honest and to be fair to him, he's been doing that for a while since he came back, but we saw what he did at the Tour Championship. We saw what he did at Augusta, and I think we all expect that, okay, it's almost as if those back surgeries never happened, and Tiger's going to be able to be that Tiger that we all want him to be and wish he would have continued being through 2009, 10, and, and, and until now, and he's not. He's not going to be that guy, and I think what, what it's bringing to light maybe more so in clear focus this week and what what we saw today is that you know this is kind of the end and it's going to have to be think about the east lake it was super hot you're talking august in in atlanta and then you go to the warm masters this year so i think it's going to take those kind of uh, scenarios also with a you know the fact that his back is cooperating with him during those same times and, and, yeah, the mind doesn't ever leave. Tiger's still going to have that mental ability to win and to be a champion, but his body's got to be able to cooperate. And I think it's pretty clear, basically, what we've seen in Pebble Beach and then this first round, that if it's cold, uh, it's, it's not going to be the time for Tiger. BT, how about our boy Tony Finau with a heck of a day? Yeah, good good playing by Tony. I mean, bogey free. I was I was actually in the process of counting up how many bogey free rounds. At one time, there were only four bogey free rounds out there uh, in, in out of 156 players. It's just that tough of a golf course. Tony got one of them, and uh, you know, really, really pleased and, and proud of him for the what he did. I mean, the guy, like I said uh, earlier, he's come off three missed cuts and then an okay finish at the 3M. 
to break the cut streak, but missing the cut in the last major and, uh, you know, after he, you know, had a chance to win the Masters earlier, what a great bounce back. This is huge for anyone's career, but especially where Tony's at. Tony's put himself, by the way he played last year and put himself on that Ryder Cup team and the way he performed on the biggest pressure cooker stage in golf, which is the Ryder Cup, the way he was able to be one of the few bright spots for the U.S. team, that, that, that's big, and for him to come back in this next year and have a good Masters showing and then to go through some adversity and struggle a little bit and then get right back. I mean, those are things that golf is so fickle that if you're not able to have sort of that bounce back and realization that, hey, yeah, no, I, I, we, I can go through bad times and still be good or still be great, um, I, you, you see that you can disappear quickly. And uh, and Tony, I think this is a big week for him. I don't want to be I don't want to be over dramatic, but it's really cool to see that he's able to to just kind of stay the course and uh, keep the self belief and go out there and play a terrific round. I mean, one of just a great round on a really difficult condition. When you're taking the jacket off, putting the jacket on, you know, umbrellas up, umbrellas down. Uh, you know, you, you're sweating one minute, you're freezing the next. That those are really difficult conditions, and and Tony manages the game really well today. Yeah, when you shoot the same score in a major as Brooks Kepka, you know you're playing pretty well. And and Brooks Man, is, how, yeah. How about that guy? I mean, I, look, it, it was no surprise that he jumped right up in there and put himself at the lead. I mean, he did have one bogey on 17, but otherwise Brooks just picking up where he left off doing Brooks stuff in majors. I mean, this guy is unbelievable right now. If, you'd be crazy not to pick him right now. I mean, you'd be crazy not picking him coming in. You'd be crazy not to take him right now. I mean, he is. I don't think he's been outside, you know, fourth, you know, in, in uh, any of the majors um, in the last, like, two years. The guy's just a, a gamer, and, and uh, he's gone, you know, 2-1-2 two, two, uh, so far this year, and 1-2-1-2 and, uh, one, two, one, two if you go back to the PGA last year. Brian Taylor with us from Real Golf Radio. Uh, Brian, J.B. Holmes is the leader at 5-under, Shane Lowry at 4-under. Are those uh, either of those two guys likely to hang around and uh, put together some rounds? Yeah, J.B. Holmes, uh, you know, a little bit of a surprise. He didn't even play in the Open Championship last year. Um, the previous year he finished 54th, made the cut. 2016 he finished third. That's his best showing in an open championship but you know jb's been through a lot um brain surgery and a lot of things that jb's been through it's, it's been a bit of a grind for him physically as well and so really cool to see him put one together shane lowry's carrying the torch he's not from northern ireland but he is from the island of ireland and, um if further down south and, and so he'll have a lot of um support certainly for uh, the way he's playing he's He's a good player. He plays PGA Tour events, plays European Tour. He's a good player. Alex Norman's a good player that's up there that maybe not a lot of people are familiar with. But, you know, he, he's a great player and, and uh, I think was in a playoff at the, the Farmers um, a year or so ago. Webb Simpson is a great story. You know, Webb figured out that putter thing. You remember, he won the U.S. Open with that anchored putter, the belly putter. And then when those went away, it was pretty cool. When they banned it, he just snapped it in half. Imagine that. The one he won the U.S. Open with, he literally snapped it in half, and his wife made a little frame, and they put it on the wall because he never wanted to be tempted to try to go back to it again. He knew he had to move on, and it was a struggle. Adam Scott had struggled with it, you know, where he was using the broom putter and, and anchoring it to his chest. So these guys have, have, have had to find a way to reinvent themselves. Keegan Bradley is another one that's trying to figure that out. And uh, it's cool to see how Webb, uh, who won the Players' Championship last year, and it's just you know, uh, really starting to come into his own. Sergio with a good day as well. Dylan Fratelli, great story, won the John Deere Classic last week. 
just to get into this event, he goes out and fires 300 par and is up there. So there, there's a lot of good storylines um, going into this uh, second round tomorrow. BT, another one, and we talked with Bob about Jordan Spieth, and he was uh, uh, informing us about, or at least uh, underlying the fact, uh, underscoring the fact that Jordan had struggled in recent times. But, I mean, he he went out there and shot uh, one under. So, I mean, he, he might come into play. It would be interesting to see him surge back, huh? It would. Jordan is, you know, this that's a guy I'm talking about, how, how fast it can go. And, and maybe while I was a little overdramatic talking about Tony, but – I mean, who thought Jordan Spieth would, would kind of disappear the way he has? You know, he hasn't won since he won the Open two years ago uh, anywhere. And so uh, the way Jordan had it going for a while, I didn't think there – you know, I thought this was the next great putter, the Jack Nicholas, the Tiger Woods. I thought this was the next great um, putter, and, and it left him. I mean, inexplicably, it left him, and his swing then struggled because, you know, when you've got pressure on your short game, when your short game's not performing, the pressure then extends to your long game. i got to hit it close because I can't make any putts, and, and uh, pretty soon you're working on your short game, you're not practicing your long game, and then it suffers, and then, you know, all of a sudden the doubt creeps in. So, um, yeah, it'd be great to see Jordan maybe conjure up some magic again. He is a great ball striker. You know, I mean, he grew up in Texas. Uh, he knows how to work the ball around uh, the windy conditions, and uh, he obviously has had success winning a Claret Jug previously. He got he got uh, he got hit. He was at three under, four under, I think, and then he got that double bogey and uh, and bogey, I think, on eight and eleven, if I'm not mistaken, and and um, that kind of set him back. But he bounced back and still turned in red numbers, and he's tied for twentieth, and that's significant because only nine of the what are we, 148 Open champions have been outside the top 20 after the first round and gone on to win. So uh, it, it's, I think it was key that, that he got in there at one under, and that's basically all the one unders. But here's my, here's my thing about Royal Port Rush. First of all, I think it is shining as a, as a venue. Nothing but praise. It's very difficult, and, and I think you're going to see this being put into the rotation. But I, I don't think – I think everybody is going to have a hole that is going – they're going to make a double bogey or worse. I just I – just, it's – it seems like one of those golf courses where you don't just make a bogey. It's when you get out of position, it's a big number waiting. And so I think it's going to be one of these things where you got to have patience because I don't I don't see anyone just running away and hiding. Maybe someone gets you know crazy hot and gets good luck on the draw with the weather and stuff. But I I really think there's going to be people coming back and moving up and down that leaderboard. So for Jordan, especially for a guy that struggled, he's going to have to just remain patient as well. Everybody that wants to um, survive, I guess, this week. Last thing, Brian, I always said I wanted to play golf like a pro golfer, and uh, David Duvall's score, it's not what I had in mind. Yeah, you, can, you think you could fire a 91 out there? Um, that was, uh, it was a 90, and then it turned into a 91 upon further review. That's not getting any better. Uh, a 14 on a whole, um, you know, look – he said things just got moving fast out there, and, and it reminded me, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I have a hard time laughing at him because it, it's, you know, you feel bad for the guy, and everyone's had a, a struggle with their game. And I remember being on the bag for Billy in the Masters in 2005, and, um, you know, I, he hit five balls in the water on 16, and we made a 14 on 16. I mean, that's, a, that's tough, and Billy handled it like a champ. I think he played the rest of the way in like two over or something which is amazing for a guy that was in his, uh, you know, pushing 70 at the time. But um, it, it's a, it, it is a crazy, it, it's a crazy how fast that can happen. Uh, and, and even to the best players in the world, past champions, 
Duvall's far from. He won 18 years ago. He's far from uh, one of the best in the world, but he is a, a, an open champion. And, um, you know, they get the opportunity to come out here and play. And I thought he handled it with grace afterwards. He said, look, you're a professional golfer. It doesn't matter what you shoot. You post a number. And so I'm posting. I put it on the board, he said. And, uh, yeah, it's embarrassing. It's for all to see. But, um, you know, what? It, it happens. It's golf. No, it, Brian, you just blew right past that. But what was it like to be on the bag at the Masters? Uh, well, we've talked about this before, right? No, but I mean, our listeners, I mean, you say that and remind them. It was, well, it was the single greatest golf experience I've ever had in my life. Uh, and I wasn't, I wasn't playing. I, I don't, I shouldn't have been there. I don't know how that worked out. The way it happened was, um, when Bob and I first started this show, this is our 20th year of doing real golf radio. When Bob and I first started, they they didn't I, I couldn't we couldn't get uh, media credentials it took us a process it was over five years of a process of applying and writing and growing the show to a point where they actually accepted us and and during that time we would go back bob as a as a member of the family of a past champion of course had tickets well they didn't have tickets for me and so billy says all right brian you're going to be my caddy and i'm like are you serious and he's like yeah so i was the caddy for a couple of years but he never played uh it was a it was a way for me to i guess still be in attendance and we, we we weren't in the media center but we would do our show from the house that was rented well one year in 2005 um bob calls me up and says hey dad's gonna play this year i said wow that's great uh and he goes and you're the caddy and i'm like yeah <laughs> wait what and he goes i'm like I don't, i've never even caddy before you you've got a caddy he goes no you're the caddy and i'm like so anyway i ended up i actually left my wife in the uh, in, in in the um, emergency room, uh, she was like eight and a half months pregnant with our our, our youngest child, and uh, I left her with her mom. I was like, I got to go caddy, and uh, and I went and caddied, and we we were in a weather delay, so we went off the back nine first, which is unusual at Augusta. So we played ten, eleven, twelve. We got down to fifteen is that par five, and Charlie Kuby was playing with us, and he had two balls in the water. And I remember thinking, oh man, I'm glad that wasn't us. And then we get to 16, and, and Billy hits a great shot, and it just hooked into the water. And we went to the drop area, and uh, we ended up hitting four more balls in the water. And it felt like a million eyes were staring down the back of my neck. I looked over at one point in time, and Tom Watson and Jim Furyk were on the 15th green. They had stopped playing and turned, and they're, like, cheering Billy on. You can do it, Billy. Come on. You know, and I'm just like, I'm dying. Cause what am I, what am I, I don't even know what to do in this situation. I just kept digging for golf balls and, you know, getting them. And Billy's like, come on, you got to have golf balls ready. And I'm thinking, I didn't know we are going through the whole sleeve here. Um, but uh, anyway, it was, uh, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Uh, Billy handled it with class. You know, everybody applauded him. And, um you know, fortunately for him, he didn't sign. After I gave that whole thing on David Duvall, he actually didn't sign his scorecard. He kept it in his pocket, and and uh, and and it was it's off the record book, so it never actually happened. But um, uh, as far as anyone uh, record book is concerned, but it was a uh, it was heck of an experience wearing those coveralls and caddying for Billy. BT, you are the best. Thank you as always. Keep up the good work, and looking forward to your coverage tomorrow, and of course on Saturday morning. Okay, thanks, boys. Thanks for letting me share that story. Sorry, it probably went long, but you got no. Me it's a great story. I'm glad you did. That's awesome. Thanks, BT. I just like the fact that uh, uh, Brian is a man who has his priorities in order. Leaving his wife uh, when she's about ready to give birth to go get on the bag at uh, Augusta. What's that supposed to mean? I'm just being funny. Uh, that's a great story. How amazing would it be to caddy for a, an absolute legend at the Masters? 
It'd be yeah. unbelievable. If I was BT, I'd be telling that story to every person I met. Every time he did a live hit with us to talk about a major, he'd be like, hey, guys, did, did I ever tell you about the story when I caddied at the Masters? Be he like was, my flat cap story with 21 pilots. He was hesitant to uh, revisit it, but uh, like you said, he should be telling it every time he comes on. Heck, yeah, that's a great story. It's a great story. and love having Brian on. Uh, there's no doubt about it. All right, live, Larry Schmiller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram here in Sandy, 10905 South Automall Drive. Still have plenty of jazz gear for you. Still have one more of the video game Rudy shirts, uh, Rudy Gobert shirts, which are so cool. Other jazz shirts and hats as well. Uh, coming up next, we've got the Not Sports Report. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Three, two, one, one, one. The countdown is back on the Zone Sports Network. It's the fifth annual college football top 60 and 60. As we count you down to the start of the college football season. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another selection. I'll see you on Bob. Leading up to the start of the 2019 season. As voted on by the local media and you the fans. It's the top 60 and 60. Presented by Cypress Credit Union, the Southtown Auto Mall, and Master Electrical Service. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. If you're going to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle in the band. That lead guitar is hot, but not for Louisiana man. So rolls enough that both are fainted love and let's all dance. If you're going to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle in the band. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Welcome on back. It's time for the Nod Sports Report. Brought to you by ARUP. Come join The Zone in ARUP Tuesday, July 23rd from noon to 6 at ARUP 9786 South, 500 West. Come save a life and donate some blood. It only takes 30 minutes, minutes and you'll receive a Megaplex gift card and popcorn voucher, not to mention jazz gear. We're live here. Speaking of jazz gear, Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram, and Sandy. Join us, 10905 South Automall Drive. Grab some for yourself. But Gordon, not sports report time. Where are we going today? Well, I'm a little hesitant. Uh-oh. If you're hesitant, we're in real trouble. Yeah. I don't know what to do with this one. So I'm warning you all before I actually utter some of these sentences. Oh, man. To uh, buckle up. Are you warning Austin to, to hover over the dumb button? Is no, that what you're doing? it's just that this is something that I have some questions about. Uh-oh. Now... If you were like a uh, a singer who at one time had had a lot of hits and has been struggling a little bit lately, but uh, wants to preserve her quote unquote youthful looks, what would you think she might do? She wants to preserve. Yeah, I don't know her youthful look. Uh, I always tease my wife because she always seems to put food on her face, like an avocado like spread. Like kind of face mask whatever. Yeah, or right. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. I was like, I always tell her, like, why does it have to be food? That's in case she gets hungry, I guess. But she puts some sort of food in her hair, too, that is supposed to be like. Really? Like a like, conditioner is it like, is it or, like or something eggs like that. or something? I can't remember what it was, but I, I thought, like, why, why does it always come back to food? But anyway, uh, what is this person? Well, oh, that, that, that makes sense to me. You know? I get that. What I don't get is what Katy Perry has revealed that she does 
to prevent aging. Okay. She says that she kind of has nonstop enemas. I could see why you hesitated to talk about this. Yeah. Are you with me now? Yeah. Are we going to continue to talk about this? Uh, Yeah. I think I'd rather go ahead and age. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'll give me a few dignified wrinkles on my face. Uh, it's apparently, let me uh, read a quote. Why is she revealing this? Yeah, that's another good question. But she says, quote, I'm kind of into those type of things like health and healing places and self-betterment places. She said, especially as you get older and you have longer hangovers, you realize the cells in your body are dying. And so she practices something called... (laughs) I don't know what this is. <laughs> Something called P-A-N-C-A. How would you pronounce that? No, I'm not going to. I don't know. Karma. Okay. So would you, would that be pronounced panka karma? Okay. That just sounds bad. It doesn't sound good. I hope I'm not going where I shouldn't here. But uh, apparently it's uh, eating and cleansing uh, with a, a bunch of enemas. And uh, she says, you definitely feel more energy. Uh, it basically, like, it gets all the, 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 the stuff out of you. <laughs> you know, I... Th- and she said, every pun intended. I, uh... Again, I go back. I would rather age than I, I think that. I think good digestive health is, is really important. <laughs> and I, I get what she's saying, and I'm sure it's helped her be a more healthy person. I just don't know if I would just go around telling everybody about that. Do you want to, I mean, have you, what? what? <laughs> well, I guess it's a, a procedure. I mean, but it's, it's nothing that I would prefer to... Uh, to do on a regular basis you know katie perry recently mended mended the uh the fence with taylor swift you know that did she is she still with orlando bloom i have no or, idea or, or weren't they a thing well i just know that that song bad blood i guess was written about katie perry and you know they, they put it back together okay. if that could happen for her then that could happen for anybody you and chris hill could be bffs by tomorrow well, okay just just Humor me. No, I'm trying second. to divert the conversation. No, I don't no, want to no, go no, back just, to. Just, that's Katy Perry. I the way she used to look of how she looks, and then that's how she looks now. Yeah, she looks fine. All right. I just wondered whether that's working. I don't know. Well, do whatever. Well, do whatever. You know, feel you feel like you need to do. That's just not what the big show would do. <laughs> but apparently, what the big show would talk about. <laughs> apparently, something we'd bring up and. Examine. <laughs> Terrific. It's a good day. I apologize. You should. I apologize. You're good. But this is this is pop culture news here. This is stuff you will never get on Whole World News. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it'll be Whole World News. Until tomorrow. tomorrow. I think yeah. it's a bunch of crap. All right, we're live. Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. We've got an action-packed 5 o'clock hour for you. We'll talk some NBA basketball, some college football as well. Stay tuned. A little hesitant. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. 
This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Here to break down a little college football, Mike Uginen from The Athletic. You talk about a good team at the University of Utah. Mike, in your opinion, how good? They're the best team in the Pac-12 South. I don't think there's any question about that. The only question is, are they the best team in the Pac-12 as a whole? I think the Utes, Oregon, and Washington are the three best teams and are, frankly, a plateau above anybody else in that league. Washington, how good is Jacob Beeson going to be? How good are the receivers going to be? Uh, Oregon's receivers are a question. Uh, Utah's linebackers are a question. But again, you look at the other teams in the Pac-12 South, Utah's not losing any team in the Pac-12 South. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.